this so much. Is this from his Vegas show? This is from Jermaine Jackson Live. Live where? When? What year? You Are Not Alone, the musical. Guys, welcome. I feel like we've been preparing for episode 16 for most of my life. Um, and it's finally here. Welcome to another episode of the Black Jackson Estate. We are still thriving and surviving in 2021. Wow. Wow. Um, another episode to get down and dirty. Today, we're super excited to get into our favorite Jackson overall. I think I can speak for all three users here. Uh, no. I think I can. I love them. them. I love them. Not I my really favorite do. overall. We're not going to pump that gas. No. I love them. We're going to go ahead and do it. Jermaine Lewan Jackson. Jermaine, yes. Reveals himself. You didn't even need to put him into that position right there to have that dispute effect. You didn't even need to do that. Let's go ahead and keep it spicy. Uh, in a world where Michael and Janet's fame is non sequitur. Jermaine is the spiciest Jackson by far. That's true. And I'm excited for us to talk about him. A couple housekeeping pieces. First, episode 15, we were very clear about uh, selling ownership of user four. And I'm happy to say someone fucking bought it. User one, are you there? I'm here and I'm so excited that someone saw fit to pay above market price for the honor of being user four, which is a wonderful number. Four is not the loneliest number that you'll ever do. That's one. And that's me. So you're you're better than me. I'm lonely. And we want to give a real shout out to Miss Pamela Price, who came through. She said, I'm so glad I found y'all's podcast. Let me give you some love. Miss Pamela Price. Price, you are user four. Pamela P, user four, welcome. We love you. You have sponsored this episode in full. So your name will be prominent in the show notes and we love you. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting us. We are live on all platforms and y'all are getting to it. User 1.5 is gonna be leading us through today's special episode. User 1.5, are you there? 
I am here and I 100% agree with you user two. Jermaine is definitely the fave. He's like your favorite uncle, but you don't tell the other uncles because you don't want to get upset about it. That's Jermaine. He's also like your problematic uncle and you let him yeah. slide. You let him slide sometimes. Yeah, he's the one who says things that are not PC, but you just, you let it ride. And he thinks okay, that- I see, No, y'all, I'm, I say I'm gonna be the one to be honest here. <laughs> um, you, don't think, you don't think Jermaine is the uncle who tries to keep it polite, but still somehow becomes the habitual line stepper? He definitely is that. It's the thing said prior to that f- truth that are false. I'm just giving you a lot to work with <laughs> okay. here. Well, there there is are- truth. He's telling his truth and you can't fault the man. For that. I, you I, have, I, it, all right, I'm going to let that ride. I'm Because we'll get to that. I'm not even going to interject some thoughts there. Go ahead. I want to give a good shout out to user 1.5 who really labored over getting this episode notes together for us and there were so many swirling contradictions between 1 and 20 and 20 and 30 that I know it had to be jarring to just go back and forth and to try to get to the the heart of the matter the factual actual so actual factual so Shout out to user 1.5 who did that labor of love so that you guys can either tell us we are wrong or oh, so right. Amen. Um, Another piece of housekeeping real quick. Should we talk about Larry King real quick? Because the Jacksons all seem to have released a statement and I feel like, may, n- no, we don't have to. It's fine. Forget it. May his soul rest in peace. He yes, did may he rest on. From COVID, so we can mention him. Oh, again. it was a COVID situation. Um, yeah. That's I know you tell you. Mad. Yeah, that's why you need and, to wear your mask. Wear your mask. Away from I don't people. know why we've already told you. If you haven't seen us on Twitter and Instagram, there are people dying. If you care enough for the living, wear your motherfucking mask. It's very simple. It's easy. I even got in the mail from our older sister, a Michael Jackson mask. And I will be wearing that thing as well. It is a part of the mask collection. Y'all wear your mask. Wash your hands. Stop getting so close to people. They don't want, in good days, I don't want you that close. So in bad days, I really need you nine feet back. Take three more past the suggestion of six and keep going backwards. It's actually more than that, user one. And I appreciate you calling that out. The, The CDC recently did a study that said, six feet actually may not be enough it should actually be 10 feet so back up off of the people you see in line you know you getting closer to my shoulder is not going to help you check out any faster it's not. It's so not. yeah let's just give each other a little bit of space all let's around give the world. each other a little space and some people have were nasty before covid i hope that this has made them reevaluate their cleanliness and uh sanitation sanitary choices and if it hasn't today is the day to reevaluate but let's just remember that it's a it's a serious thing more serious than any of us probably ever expected so do what you can to take care of yourself and other people also uh larry king yes uh hank aaron homegrown king passed away a real uh real trailblazer we're talking if we have a whole podcast about trailblazers we gotta definitely give a shout out to a trailblazer play blazer in a different field uh in the field of american baseball which has uh which was you know already pretty white you know you had the negro league at one point then that went away but even with 
the integration baseball's been always a very white sort of sport in America if I'm not tripping yeah but, Jackie Robinson was uh solo dolo for the longest yeah then came along Hank and uh he just broke some crazy he, he broke Babe, Babe Ruth's record and uh um just remained a class act to the day he died um he looked good at 86 he looked he great he closed his eyes and went to his maker and got his just reward for life well lived he did so much to advance baseball and race relations in america so definitely remembering his family as well as uh those who loved and friends of larry king um those two folks hank aaron did not have covid as far as we know he just went to sleep and went on to transition to the next phase of uh existence yeah hank had the vaccine so he just uh he just had a little bit of old age creep up on him. And, you know, when you're in your 80s, that's what happens sometimes. So uh-huh. blessings unto him and his family. So user 1.5, the moment has come. We're walking through Jermaine's book, You Are Not Alone, which is mostly based on his brother, Michael. And I'm going to turn it over to you. But before I do that, I want to ask you one question. Do you think this book serves as an autobiography? For Michael? <laughs> certainly not for Jermaine. Um, Jermaine uh, talks, it's, it's you know, 300 some pages of single spaced, nine font, very wordy paragraphs. And Jermaine probably talks about himself in 60 of those pages. The rest of it is about Michael. So he actually did a better job uh, biography Fizing, is that a word? I I think that Michael did. Yeah, I agree. As a matter of fact, it feels like Jermaine went, read Michael's book. Oh, he definitely read the book. He read the book several times. Went back with the editor and said, let's layer some more detail here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sprinkled in a bit about himself, a couple Mm -hmm. half-truths here and there. Jermaine actually did what the editors wanted Michael to do, which was flesh it out a little bit. Now, if, if it's the truth or if it's not, only Michael, Jermaine, and God knows. But, well, I want to uh, I want to bring up this thing that you just said that was so powerful, and it will resonate with folks who have listened already to episode uh, 15. Uh, and that is that uh, Michael's book was 250, 60 pages, triple space, space font, uh, with 14 inch font it looked like with pictures all throughout and Jermaine took a very drastically different approach he filled every page every nook every cranny with a word sometimes too many of them but he gave you so much more Michael barely wanted to give you his first and last name and address Jermaine gave you all the things and that directions you to the house yeah and directions to the house and his social security number is in there I yeah. promise go look for it it's there I think it's important to call out that the the book known as Moonwalker, written, half written by Michael Joseph Jackson, was supposed to be a picture book. And they did end up with the pictures. Um, and he gave those over freely. But the book part, not so much. So I think Jermaine feels a lot of gray area for us, particularly during the childhood. I think both of them kind of harp on that area. So um, looking forward to talking about the book and the timeline of Jermaine's life. 
Yes, yes, yes. And you know, just doing the research for this pod has been, it's been exciting because we all know that Jermaine is one of my favorite Jacksons, even though he doesn't show up at shows, even though he has that hair thing going on, even though he tells versions of the truth that aren't always true, he deals in a lot of alternative facts. He is one of my favorite Jacksons. And I'm so excited to, to kind of talk about his life. And we just did the book review on Moonwalk in our last uh, episode. So this one is going to hybrid. We're going to insert some of uh, the things that he says from the book, uh, because he does talk about his life in pieces. Um, but we're also going to talk about his career and what he has done uh, as a solo artist uh, and as a person, because a lot of people don't know a lot about Jermaine. Um, except for the couple of, you know, the few snippets of him they see on TV. So I'm really excited to. So our last podcast was um, a book review on Moonwalk from Michael Jackson. And we don't want to follow it with another book review because that gets a little tedious. But we do want to talk about Jermaine's life. We want to talk about his career as a solo artist. And we are going to sprinkle a few tidbits about his life in there from the book because he does touch on some areas uh, that only he would know in his book. All right, so Jermaine, Jermaine Lawan Jackson was born December 11th, 1954. He was the fourth child of Joseph Jackson and Catherine Jackson. Does anybody know, trivia for the users, does anybody know which two children he is in between? User two. <laughs> User two. Tito and Latoya. Ding, 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 ding. So Jermaine is is the younger brother of Tito, the older brother of Latoya, and then it trickles on down from there, uh, the rest of the Jacksons. Um, he is a singer, songwriter, bass guitarist, reality TV star, and he has produced and put out into the world for all of us to enjoy 13 solo albums. That's amazing. Also, That's I feel amazing. like... I feel like those are the only ones that are still accessible. I feel like there are more that may have exist. I might be making that up. I just feel like. Oh, no. His we- vault is is extensive. You just haven't heard it. Yeah. I, I'm sure his vault is massive, particularly at Motown. But um, Jermaine had so many singles off of Motown yeah. that it made it seem like he had a million and five albums. Well, he, he'll, he'll pull out a single for anybody, with anybody. Period. Like, like it, at all, it doesn't matter. Like, like shoot, hell, I can I can be like, hey, Jermaine, you want to sing? He'll be like, hey, go ahead, let's do it. I like yeah, that attitude, though. I like that attitude of, you know, I'm always willing to work, and I work with everybody, and I don't, you know, I create a hit with anybody, and I yeah. can create some something. I think that's special. What I also like or find interesting is I'm an only, I'm a, no, I'm not definitely not an only child, but I am the youngest and um Jermaine's kind of thrown in there he's when he's in that middle group and you know uh middle child syndrome is real we do have a middle child as a user and uh you know maybe you can speak to some of that he probably got lost in the sauce a little bit and she had a gang of kids at some yeah. point you forget the names you just be like Susie, Sally, yeah. Johnny, whoever you know who you are I, I have one child <laughs> and I forget his name so I can't imagine what Catherine was doing with like nine people plus Joseph plus whatever other help she had in the house running around like I just I just I guess she's probably just pointing like you come here 
The way yeah. Jermaine said in the book, she labored for us by being pregnant 81 months out of her life. My knees buckled because <laughs> the thought, and one of those times she was pregnant with twins. I cannot imagine. That's crazy. And you know, the mm-hmm. other part, um, this is in both Jermaine and Michael's book. And I think because both of them, we know all the Jacksons are pretty much mama's boys and girls, but Michael and Jermaine, um, I find their relationship with her very protective. Whereas like Latoya and Rebe are very much like her confidants in a way. But Catherine was walking to and from work in Indiana snow. And I mean, it's like, okay, you, you've been pregnant 81 months and now you got to walk to work in the cold and you got to work, walk home in the cold. And then uh, Jackie and Rebe have started preparing dinner, AKA taking out the ingredients so that she can just walk in the door, wash her hands and get after it. Catherine went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, lot. she did. Yeah. She, she, she definitely did. And, you know, back in the day, and I think we've talked about this before, you know, uh, means of birth control which is not so first of all accessible so we talk about that even in today's America the lack of the accessibility of birth control especially in minority communities and we're talking about the range of options that people in majority communities and people in communities of means have not just uh, a condom they have a range of options right and we talk about how that's missing especially in minority communities and poor communities but now let's rewind the time and go back 60 years. It was just not, some, sometimes for, for religious reasons, people weren't using it, but often it was just a lack of access to those things that could help you not uh, have so many children. Um, and it, whether it was the lack of access or the lack of uh, invention. But we do know that uh, you you get back, like my grandma had, uh, 10 kids, you know, she was born around the same time. These folks just, they really popped them out. And that had to be stressful for the woman, which nobody talks about a lot. But like you said, like she was getting after it, but think about the mental toll of just constantly being in a state of pregnancy. So frequently, of course you love your children and blah, blah, blah. I just imagine that's mentally a lot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and she is differently abled on top of that. So she's got physical obstacles in her way. But just to back up, I thought we were clear Joseph Jackson didn't believe in no birth control. Isn't that what the Jacksons in American Dream said? I'm using that as source. <laughs> what, does, what, does, what does she believe? What does she believe? Let's, let's she go believe back. what she Joseph believes. She believes many before you're tired i mean i think most women are tired after a couple i don't have any and i'm tired by jermaine i'm definitely tired (laughs) (laughs) that's number four right that's That's four four. that's he was four yeah he is four and he has (laughs) that little baby got a big ass head so does tito and four is more than enough to get all the groceries out the car that's i think once we've hit enough kids to if all y'all go at one time we can get all the groceries out of the car that's enough but it's not enough it's not enough to run full court basketball 
It's you need one more. And it's not enough to start a whole band. It's not enough to have a Jackson five. So you got to need at least one more. Four. They could have been the Jackson four top. No, Jackson five has a better little ring to it. Nice little ring to it. Yeah, I think they were onto something when they chose that. One more thing. Yeah. Let's stay, can we stay on Catherine uh, and feminism real quick? I. So we have we don't know, right? This is a question I would love to ask her. I think. Miss Jackson, you should definitely join us on the Black Jackson Estate. We would love to hear what's going through your head throughout them 81 months because there's some form of postpartum that has to pop up at some point. Like, and it's we imp- won't curse if you come on the show. We know Tito recently said us millennials just cuss too much. We will, Oops. we will darn our way through an episode. Tito, I cursed like <laughs> right in front of you, bro. I'm You're so a pirate. You a damn pirate. You did, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll be your you first are. mate or whatever, but I mean, you a pirate. And I, but I'm just saying, we won't do it. We My daddy was it. a sailor, literally. <laughs> He's in the navy. Like, what do you guys? But want we from can, me? we can button it up, and we'll have tea. Yes, Miss Jackson, I I would just love, uh, there's a long list of questions we will prepare for you, but particularly being a grown woman and understanding how hormones work and and how our bodies change as we move through adulthood, how are these 81 months passing for you? What's going through your mind? And then all of a sudden you start to realize they can sing and dance. That's like on top of everything else. These, you got a bunch of WB frogs. Yeah. You got a you got a, a heap mm-hmm. of hoofing little chaps in the living room. Yeah. And what are you gonna do with that? Because you you know, once three of them start singing, <laughs> well, we I mean I have to monetize it at that point. You, you know gotta I mean? monetize it. And I, you don't ain't monetize. no TikTok, ain't no YouTube, no. but you gotta monetize them. We gotta monetize at that point. I mean, and that's the, and we're we're very serious about some of the, obviously y'all know we we joke. I hope some people get some. Of, I think some of our jokes go over some folks' head, but that's all right. But um, the point being that you know taking that talent and harnessing it and recognizing your children have talent. We've talked about this before and then promoting that talent is something that some parents can't even do today. So big ups to Joe and Katie who said our kids are talented and we're going to make sure that talent is fully realized in their lives. There's so many talented kids even now who their parents don't even see it. It's the teachers going, Hey, did you know your kid is like, a top 20 prospect for basketball like, yeah i mean or you know and it's, it's it's all these other people recognizing so shout out to them for being parents who saw the talent and said okay we can try and make something happen with this so all right back to jermaine he's number four he's but, out the womb crying baby hair jailed down <laughs> immediately immediately yeah First he, he i got, think he came out the womb with jail on the edges honestly somebody brought a jail pack yeah hospital yeah yeah Catherine jackson immediately sure. wrapped jermaine's hair <laughs> a doobie <in> hospital. <laughs> an immediate doobie wrap like just <laughs> if you don't know what a doobie wrap is and you're you just, listening to this just type it into google imagine uh prince at the super bowl <laughs> that's a doobie wrap Yes. And then if you want us to do one for you we will if you come here after covid we'll do it for you but also Jermaine may have come out with a bonnet on. I'm not sure. Okay. Do you think Jermaine is a bonnet guy? 
or a <laughs> the rapper. Guy. He's Jermaine raps it because yeah, the, he yeah, because he got the cute sides down, and you know you can't do that unless you rap it. I've had short hair before, like pixie mm-hmm. short hair before. You got to wrap that down so that in the morning, all you got to do is get your comb, comb it out, fluff out the top a little bit, throw a curl in, and you good to go. So you know right. that's and and bonnet life is high level. That's a high level sort of uh, execution strategy. Yeah. Every black woman who has learned how to drop that bonnet on and wake up with it still on that's a skill and i just don't think men necessarily have it naturally and it just the way his hair is so tight close to his head that's definitely a wrap that's a a satin Mm -hmm. scarf that's a satin scarf he's probably got the good pillowcases and you know it's probably a real process i told you too she really dropped the ball on these notes because we didn't even get an expert analysis of the evolution of his hair we need to talk about it now there's nothing to, to analyze. There, no, there's nothing to there analyze. Is. There Jermaine, is. Jermaine Latoya, Jackson I, I, has I, flawless hair. It is period. perfectly caught. I'm not talking about the quality of it. I'm talking about the evolution of it. We talked about Michael's evolution. Why can't we talk about Jermaine's hair evolution? What do, we want, what do you want to talk about? I, I need to be clear. Let me... Let me make this clear for user 1.5. I told my mother we were recording a Jermaine episode today and she said, please talk about his hair. Boom. It has to be done. From what do you want to talk about? Okay, so I, here, here, I do. I have I'm going to give you the answer. I give all my stock, all my clients when they bring me pictures. I didn't do that person's hair. So I can't <laughs> tell you exactly what. It's an analysis. It's, it's an expert analysis because we know you didn't do it, but you, this is your field. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to give us an expert analysis of the, of the evolution. I've, he got, had a couple, I've got the Which questions. I'll throw them okay, out before we get too them. deep into the timeline. So early on when the brothers developed their fro, I noticed that Jermaine was the first to step out with a curly fro, meaning that it looked like he had, a, he had a nice wash and conditioner and then took some curlers to it and feathered it. Um, and then from there, he transcended from the curl and he transitioned out of the curl before Michael transitioned out of the curl and had the rat tail for a moment. I don't know if you missed that era. And then he went to the slick down sides and the curly top that we're all familiar with. And so my first question is, what does it take to make the transition from natural to Jerry curl to current Jermaine? So, so let me, let me tell you, let me tell you guys something. Okay. I've done one Jerry curl in my life because that is not my era. Right. But we had to learn how to do it in cosmetology school, because I think some wise person thought that at some point it was going to come back around like scrunchies. Okay. It never left some areas. And it I don't didn't leave some angels. areas and it didn't leave some people, but for mainstream it, America, mainstream, I can people, drive you someplace not right now. You can drive yourself someplace right now where you're going to see at least 10 Jerry curls in Walmart. Cousin Leon was buried in his curl, wasn't he? Our cousin Leon rest his soul may he rest on had that drip till he died and it was always nice it was always and done it was moist that's was why moist. you had to learn it at the school because clearly the cousin leons of the world are still going to request it and if you they walk into your shop and say i want that curl and Amen. you say i don't know how i'm gonna do dripping. my best to talk them out of it first of all because that's but a lot gonna of drip, they're gonna drip 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 out your salon but what i will tell you though do. is this about the curl so a jerry curl essentially here's the process it is basically putting a relaxer or a perm depending on what area you're from in 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 
this in this hair world. So it's basically putting a relaxer in natural hair first, and then you roll it on perm rods, and then you put a waving solution, almost like a perm solution, like what you know Caucasian women get are perms to make their hair curly. So you put that perm solution on top. You are doing two chemical processes back to back. The reason it has to stay moist is because if it dries out, your hair will start to break off and start to shed because you have 100% over processed your hair in order to have this perfectly curled jerry curl. But when it's done well, it looks so... No, it looks good when it's done well. It does. You just got to Our mama had one and it was dripped to perfection. She had like a mullet jerry curl too. It was like, it was like short on the top, long in the back. (laughs) It looked good. good. It looked good in the back, baby. Like it looked good. Jermaine. So, had it. I mean, so it to answer good. your question, user two, in order to transition from the afro to the curl, it's not that difficult. You 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 just relax the hair and put the perm solution on it, and you got a curl. Now to get from that curl back to natural hair is much more difficult. But I low key, high key think that Jermaine still get a little curl on the top. Agreed. But okay, let me, let, let me ask this. Let me ask this. You said it's hard to go from curl to natural, but naps are very powerful and strong-willed. They will assert themselves. They do. Given an opportunity. But when you are transitioning, that's why a lot of women, when they go natural and they had a relaxer previously, they do a big chop because the weakest point of your hair is that transition point where it goes from curly to straight, mm-hmm. right? Because once mm-hmm. you chemically alter the bonds of your hair, you cannot undo it. You have to cut it off or you have to let it grow out. So- But Jermaine never did a big chop. J- well, no, yes I he did. Because he went from that curl to that to them short sides and that, and that little fro top that we're looking he at did. now. He did, think, a, but he did a big think, chop for sure. When? He did a, okay, so- the video where he had on the Louis Vuitton overalls, I dream, I dream. Mm-hmm. That was right around the time he made the big shot. Um, we've got Dynamite Curl, 1984. Precious Moments, Curl. Don't take it personal, 1989 is the first time we see the chop, okay? It's cut short. It's almost like, he went back into a low fro. By 1991, you said he's transitioned into a high top fade, and it's been a fade ever since. That's true. That's true. So I think mm-hmm. he made, I did. I do think he had a big chop and cut the process out. I don't think the form that it's in now, I don't understand the sides. I think it's all Beijing on the sides. So this is, I, I didn't do that man's hair, okay? But We're what just, I can this, say this is- This is just observation. Um, this is just my my professional observation. He has hair on the sides. Correct. He does. He do. It is okay. heavily- well, Wait a minute, I want to- Go ahead. I want to say this. I want to say this. Okay, I do see the, the don't, don't take it personal. That's definitely some sort of big chop. Yeah, big yeah, job. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, we needed that. So the, the size, he does have hair to this day. That man has hair on the sides. Uh, it's heavily gelled, I think, to give it that nice little slick look with the waves in it that all naturals enjoy at some point. Absolutely. 
and uh, it's heavily, that hairline is heavily Beijing. Heavily Beijing. Um, so, can you explain what that means? Some people don't know what Beijing means. They do understand what heavily means, but <laughs> they don't get the Beijing part. And they may think we're, we're saying a slur here. I we're love Beijing. Can you tell, tell them what it is? And then I want to tell you about my favorite Beijing. Beijing is, is actually a like a box color that you can get from, I call it the hood store. That is not a slur. That is a term of endearment. I call it is the beauty supply store that is not Sally's. Okay. That can uh, be found. That can be found in usually in the hood. In the hood. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a box color that a lot of men will use uh, with apparatuses to make straight lines, to mimic the look of a full hairline. A lot of men will use it on their hairlines um, or they will create hairlines with it. Some men will use it on their beards to make their beards look fuller. Basically, it's like coloring inside the lines, making your hairline look. It's just a man version of fixing the problem of hair that women have different methods of doing and use all the time. It's just men adopting things specifically for their market that will do the same thing. And men are just adopting these same things we've used to make themselves uh, feel good about their appearance as it concerns their hair. And he's been using this for decades, it seems. It enhances. He's the Beijing That's the word. king. And it enhances, yeah. you call him the Beijing king? He's the Beijing and king. it's true. It's literally like, men use Beijing like we use eyeliner or mascara to make our eyelashes a little bit plumper. My favorite Beijing goes to the sheriff of Guilford County. You can Google him. <laughs> Uh, I won't share his first and last name, although but I you love just him said dearly. sheriff and you said Google him, so you might as well call yeah, him Benny Rogers of Guilford County has the world's <laughs> best Beijing beard. Now, if he there are some times where he goes natural where he wants to assert his uh his wisdom and he'll let his gray beard just show, and it's just a regular dude's beard, you know, like a regular beard. But men now want the rick ross beard and so he beijinged his beard somewhere shortly after the time he won the general election in 2018 and by swearing in actually no by the naacp dinner the following february danny had the beijing beard and i want to call it out because i love him but i also want you to compare a picture you might find from google of sheriff uh, Danny Rogers from Guilford County and put it right beside a picture of Jermaine on the front of the You Are Not Alone musical. I'll put some links in the show notes so that you'll see what we're talking about. Beijing is great for guys, um, but sometimes they overdo it. Now, Jermaine has been notoriously quoted as not allowing women to touch his hair which lets me further know it's a Beijing. And I, I, I just, I admire that about him. I admire his commitment to it. I wonder what time he has to wake up to get it all together. And I wonder, have the women he's been with really know what his hair looks like pre-Beijing? Well, well and I just, too. and I want to say to, just to clarify why people can't touch it, it is uh, temporary colors. So if you sweat if you take a shower 
if you touch it with your oily hands, it will start to come off. And uh, so good for him. I wouldn't let anybody touch it either. I don't let nobody well, touch I mean, my I'm hair either. This too. Healthy in boundaries. Intimate, in intimate moments, okay? Black women don't want the significant other pulling or touching the hair. So Without permission. Like, without permission. Now, if you have been given that green light. Yank it up. <laughs> Please. <laughs> If I've already consented, you can go for it. <laughs> but so I think at least as a black woman, we can all appreciate the idea that he didn't want you to touch his hair. His hair yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's very sacred and it's very personal. And anyone who would take the pains to do all he did to create that look and maintain it for at least 80 years. A Greek God. Would... <laughs> a Gary to... God. You have to respect that and not touch that man's hair. Don't touch You've Jermaine's never hair. Seen, you, I got gray hairs right now. I can show you. Y'all ain't never seen a gray hair on Jermaine Jackson's head ever. And period, bitch. And so, and since he's been able to achieve that, I respect it. Don't touch it. Don't look too closely at it. That's the other thing. Don't try to get in Jermaine's business because that's why he didn't come to the show we went to in Morganton because we was going to be in his business. <laughs> didn't he block some people for asking about his hair on Twitter? I would oh, never he block you. He don't play about his hair. He don't play about his hair. I hope he don't block us but I mean we're Wait just... you're saying Jermaine has blocked people I for making inappropriate some things about that. He's not for that. I believe he, is, he has dismissed some people. Don't talk to Jermaine about his hair if you're not gonna come correct. <laughs> now we done gave you, we done gave you the real deal. Don't go no. to him asking about the Beijing. That is inappropriate. It's inappropriate. You just need to take notice, and now you have an understanding, and you know what it is, and you know why you can't touch it, and that's that. And we have covered the evolution of Jermaine Jackson's hair. You're but right. I, I would ask him to confirm that he wraps it and i would like to see his scarf collection because you know he's got gucci and versace that scarf collection is color coordinated absolutely Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's good and you know uh the hair is a good segue i guess (laughs) into his childhood (laughs) (laughs) like how do you segue from jermaine's beijing and and his gucci scarves that he wraps it with to (laughs) the rest of his life I don't know. You need to understand his hair to understand his artistic journey. We just jump in it, I guess. We just the hair itself is an artistic journey. So yeah, let's go. Let's rock and roll. It's a journey. It's a journey. It is. So we're gonna jump into the timeline now. So Jermaine Jackson, um, in his book, talks extensively about his time in. Gary, Indiana, with his brothers, he particularly focuses in on Michael because this book is really about Michael. Um, and he was, as we all know, uh, the lead singer of the Jackson Five uh, up until 1966. Um, the significance of that is that before Michael joined the group, and we all know the story, Tito broke the guitar string and the rest is history. But Jermaine was the lead singer of the group. So um, originally, the Jackson Five was the Jackson Three: Tito, Jermaine, and Jackie. Yep. And Tito was the—I'm sorry, not Tito. 
Tito must be thinking about us. And Jermaine was <laughs> the lead singer until 1966. In 1966, uh, this is when, you know, Michael did his, his uh, climb every mountain performance. And really In kindergarten. <laughs> in, right, at the age of five. And really just kicked his brother. He promoted his brother, actually, to lead background singer. And Michael became the lead singer of the Jackson Five. We, at this point, have added Marlon because, as Jermaine so eloquently put it in his book, Mother didn't want Marlon to feel left out. Why do they all come from Marlon in these books? (laughs) I dead-ass want to discuss that. Everybody's... And listen, Jermaine... These your little brothers, I get it. But Marlon David Jackson, if you don't write your book, if you don't go write your book. Now that's a book I want to read. Yes, Marlon needs to come through with something, something good. Please write um, your book, beloved. Absolutely. And 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 walk in his truth. He does. They really do. They what they do is nice nasty to Marlon and I don't like it. They will drag him real shady, then say, "But Marlon ended up being the best dancer of us all," which debatable in a group with Michael Jackson in it but I hear you and then drag him again usually like I just I can't I can't I can't take it and Marlon honestly is my new favorite Jackson ever since I saw uh, on the victory tour Marlon doing dancing like right alongside Michael like killing it he's my new favorite jackson y'all look fake y'all fake one minute jermaine's your favorite jackson then it's marlon no i said marlon's my new favorite jermaine is the all-time favorite like jermaine can't be knocked off of his pedestal this is some but my new favorite jackson is ever (laughs) is ever evolving i have a new favorite jackson every week and this week it's marlon Mm -hmm. thank you and next week it'll be freddie and I'm just over it. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Next week, it'll be Jesse. Who knows? I mean, y'all love them a lot. We love the extended family as well, but um, no, yeah. Um, Jermaine being the lead singer and also identifying with being a teacher's pet was something that I thought was interesting. <laughs> but let me In ask y'all this. Let me ask y'all this, okay? Let's let's do a parallel universe. Let's do an alternate universe, okay? Where Jermaine remains the lead singer and Michael is the lead background singer. Do you think the Jackson 5 would have had the success that they had? No. Absolutely not. I thought about that while listening to I Dream I Dream while he had on those Louis Vuitton overalls. And I was like, damn, Jermaine really did have the look. We just didn't want it. We Do you think he had the voice? I, Jermaine can sing beautifully. I think he has a great singing voice. Does he have a singing voice that can do everything? I don't think so. Which is why that formula that Barry Gordy ended up pegging them in with him doing more of the ballads and Michael doing the fast-paced stuff and then once Michael realized he could sing ballads too, then that's when the game got really fucked up because he took over that space from for Jermaine. And Jermaine can do a, a up-tempo song, but it's you don't really want that from him because his voice is so sultry and he's got that deep tenor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also songs with him doing, not necessarily going into 
full falsetto, but a higher range that's, you know, up there kind of in where Jackie's range was in the group. So he's got a diverse singing voice. He's got a beautiful singing voice. His duets always sound really good, especially the ones he did with Whitney Houston, which I mean, the fact that he's got those in the can he he's mm-hmm. goat he he's yeah. goaded simply for having those in the can and more that we have never even heard but jermaine, he's got a beautiful voice jermaine is like randy watson to me of sexual chocolate <laughs> oh god i want to hear this go ahead and i'm gonna tell you why and it's a real shout out to mr watson of the group sexual chocolate who is a fictional character correct so Randy believed more of himself than what the people would receive. Randy and or Jermaine? They are the same. Oh, okay. Continue. Likewise, Jermaine. Oh, is, Ra- is Randy more- a euphemism for Jermaine? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Likewise, Jermaine believed more of himself than what the people would receive. He gave it all. He gave his all. It just, what it's like you said, actually, the people won't ask him for that. But it was all there. He gave it. He really like put forth that effort. And there's always that three people or one person in the crowd going, that boy good. <laughs> and that's a fact. And that's good and terrible. Yeah. That's that uh, teacher's pet thing. And how he also says in the book how Latoya said he was mother's pet, which is a <laughs> a pot calling the kettle black at that I was gonna point. say yeah. Yeah, that's a pot and kettle situation right there cuz But I I can see all of them looking at him like that and they also thought Jermaine says in this book Jermaine I think this title of this episode is probably going to be Jermaine said. I don't know if we've used that yet. But it might be uh, Jermaine that, that Somebody somebody said that Jermaine was every it was Joseph's pet as well, because even though mm-hmm. he stuck with Motown, I don't know if it was the intel. I don't know if it was the fact that he was willing to come back, was still very much involved with his family and, and willing to come back and talk about what they were doing at Motown. I, I don't know exactly what that was, but Jermaine, from everybody's perspective, including his own, was that he's a pet. And I get that. And I he like his in uh, that wife swap episode, the way that he demanded Halima take care of him and the wife that he swapped with was very much like a take care of me pet situation. So that I feel that for him. Jermaine does better as a musician, right? He can play guitar. He can kill a guitar, right? Bass. But I Don't disrespect think, his instrument. He I'm, plays you're right. the he, bass. He plays the bass. My Uncle Tony plays the bass. So let me say, he can kill a bass guitar. But Jermaine wanted to be an artist, right? He didn't just want to be a musician. He wanted to be out front. And so that's how we get this, these 13 wonderful albums for us to enjoy in the world. And that's how we get all of these songs in the vault that we have never heard and may or may not ever hear. He, he wasn't content being in the background. He wanted to be out front. I think he rightfully felt like he should have been out front anyway um but honestly like like you said his fast songs like let's get serious is a great song but that's his vocals his but and stevie wonder wrote it which i mean everything stevie touches damn near turns to gold right but the his vocals were much stronger on like do what you do you know what i mean like the slow songs like he's a stronger 
Daddy's home. Sing, right. He's a stronger ballad singer than he is uh, like a dance track or a dance number. Um, it sounds almost forced. Like it doesn't sound natural. Like Michael just like get in there and like kill it. But then there's therein lies the next problem. He's always going to be compared to Michael. And that wasn't so, fair. That wasn't fair. I mean, so here's where I'm going to go and say, so I know that on an episode that we did, it was a group episode with uh, a whole bunch of people that's our peoples. Um, you know, Lamont said he gave him a one, I think, or a zero. And I echoed that. And it was because of one particular track that we will discuss. But he was in the shadow of someone else. But I always think that what if he had just shed this need of je- this jealousy because so Margaret his ex uh wife his common law wife whatever ex-partner um, ex-partner is 2020 about in her book how competitive the brothers are one has three of this another has to go and get four of it if you have 10 children well I gotta have 20 you know just this this level of competitiveness and Michael even demonstrated that with his brothers as well but if he could have just let that go and said, I'm my own artist, I don't need to be compared to Michael. I will answer two questions about Michael and I'm not going to talk about him anymore. And he would just maybe focused on his own art. How much further maybe he could have gone or I don't know, because then there's this idea of, well, was he potentially sabotaged by Michael in some respects because Michael didn't want that competition even with his own family. Like there are all these ideas, but it seems like he never could shake the idea that he was going to be compared to Michael. And so that informed a lot of his choices. And it's like, you don't need to be a a carbon copy of this dude. He's got his own thing. And you're able to create things that are very unique and different from his that we also would like to hear. But if you try to do Michael, we're not going to want to hit it. I think he wanted to do Michael. I mean, just like this book is called You Are Not Alone and not Let's Get Serious. Yeah. And he needs to write Let's Get Serious. Right. And he needs honestly, to write a story about his life because he, this was about Michael's life. Yeah, and I think that's fine because the framing of this book to me is Jermaine kind of taking on the responsibility of being official spokesman for his brother simply because I don't know if this is a trauma infliction from the moment Michael is now replacing him as the lead singer or if it's because he's the one who has to come out and do the press conference saying Michael is no longer present on this earth somewhere in between there he's is where Jermaine exists those kind those two extremes but I I think he has taken on the role of saying listen this is my little brother I'm the one who walked him to school every day I can tell you what went down while also not exactly telling us what went down Anything. in right. the exact same way that Michael didn't really tell us right. what went down. Well, right. and, and also, mean- saying, and, 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 and to say this as well, he's the guy who in Michael's book, he goes, this is the one I looked up to. You, you are the named, you know, you are the named God of Michael amongst the brothers. You're the guy he was trying to be like, not Jackie, not Tito, Jermaine. 
And, and Michael says it in his book, I looked up to Jermaine. I wanted to be like Jermaine. And so there is a different sort of connection here to that brother, to his brother that no one else has. And obviously they share that role of lead singer. So yeah, I get it. And it's also like, I just really wish that when my, when, when, my, when the brothers went to CBS and he stayed with Motown, I wish he would have said F them kids. And I'm not, and I'm, I know that was a difficult transition, but I've chosen to stay and I'm going to really run hard in this direction. And I mean, I guess he did. It just was impossible to, you need Michael. Jermaine on his own found and delivered DeBarge. I think he did his job. Like he gave us some subtle gifts the work that he put in for Whitney Houston, regardless of whether or not he refuses to name it as an actual affair in the way that we know that it was based off of other people's books uh, and basically like fucking public record, record, Jermaine, like don't do me. But anyway, there are holes that we we're can moving. go down with Jermaine. Yeah, but, we're, you know, go we're going to jump back into the timeline. We're going to talk about the Jackson 5 for a little bit longer. So the Jackson 5 signed in 1967 with Steel Town Records. Their first single was Big Boy. So I sent you guys a link in the show notes to Big Boy. I'm sure you've heard it before. What do you guys think about that song? That was their first official single. They were they were selling that single. They were hustling that, that record at, the, at all the strip clubs that they played at. Um, they were hustling that record. <laughs> What do you what do you guys think about that song? <laughs> Why is that true? <laughs> Yo, rappers sold their shit out the trunk. Joseph had his kids at the strip club talking about some <laughs> <laughs> nickel of I'm a big boy now. It's the song of the words of the song are like I'm a big boy now. Y'all selling it at the strip club. Oh yeah. god. <laughs> and so you know what? And we talked about this in our last episode, the effect of that on Michael, but extending that to the effect on all the boys, Jermaine included, how that informs how you view women. How I you hate it. Women. All that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, so Jermaine was in that vortex too of you are too young for this. Yet here you are being exposed to it. This is abuse um, and inappropriate uh, for for children. And here you are in the midst of it and, and seeing the... To, to connect the adoration of women to money because they love you because they think you got some money uh and then how that sours your view of women and it's it's very young for them it starts at this time like you said hocking their, their album their single out of the out of the van you know like i don't know what what they were selling it for what 33 cents a quarter but here you go 33 and a third you know, I mean, so yeah, I mean, Jermaine was also a part of that problematic sort of burgeoning of his relationship with women and how he viewed women, yet he still found Hazel Gordy and really still to this day lifts her up in such a, a strong and positive light. But she also doesn't represent the sort of women he was initially exposed to. Misogyny reveals itself in Jermaine constantly. I think Hazel Gordy was a prototype situation and they got married at 19. And that's all you really need to know about that. Jermaine is 13 when this, when Big Boy comes out. That's smack in the middle of puberty. And he's in strip clubs. And he had, you know, by the time you're 13, you've got a reputation. 
And Jermaine's memory in this book is so much more vivid than Michael's, of course, is because he wasn't old. He was older and he had more perspective. So what did he talk about? I didn't read it. You guys have read it. So what what was his perspective on that time period? You know, I didn't think it was too dissimilar from Michael's. Honestly, the difference is that he remembered more events than Michael. Like he remembered Marlon constantly having to go outside and choose a different switch. And he remembered, uh, there was a quote that really stressed me out. Let me pull it to my book. uh, About a friend that he and Michael both had in the neighborhood while they were in Gary. And this kid, his mother was a single parent. And the kids over there hanging out, Joseph ends up going upside Jermaine's head over something and sends Jermaine to the store, I think, to go grab something and come back. And the kid is telling Jermaine, you know, that's messed up. He shouldn't do that to you. I know that sucks. Does he do that all the time? And Jermaine basically says it could be worse. We could not have a father at all basically saying that they were in a better situation getting slapped than the kid with the single mom was at home and it's just really weird how it how those traumas manifest in Jermaine because the through lines that he draws to make conclusions aren't necessarily based in fact like hey you know while you guys did turn out to be extraordinary in hindsight maybe it wasn't so great for your dad to come down so hard on you and have you up at 3 a.m. at a strip club and then up at 6 a.m. to go to school. Like, maybe those aren't such great decisions. And it's okay to own that and not make Joseph or Catherine out to be monsters because they did the best that they could during the time that they did. But um, I just think the parallels that Jermaine draws are just a little problematic along the way. Right. And like, like you're saying, it's okay to say, you know, these, these actions produce these wonderful results, but these actions also are problematic and should not be repeated. It's like, uh, just cause you, um, you know, do something crazy. Let's say you're driving your car and you need to make this exit and you're behind a car that's ahead of you. And you, you quickly get up in front of them, cut them off and boom, make your exit. And well, yeah, I made my exit, but that strategy you used to make it was really dangerous and could have easily gone another way. And it shouldn't Um, be a habit. And it should not be a habit. But here again, here we are. And I'll take that back to something like a certain rearing method right um yeah you did this and no you know your kids say no none of us got into this or that or the third we were off the streets at a certain time but look at the challenges that were faced in your children some of which may have been a result of their upbringing and those tactics you have one child who um has abused women uh, physically very very physically so and 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 been in the court to deal with that abuse you have another child who is addicted to drugs um, and draw some of the pain of his life from those experiences as a child and how he was brought up. So it's, it's like in the same way that you want to give credit, you have to recognize where there was a problem. Yeah. And those things manifested in Jermaine, not much different. I mean, 
granted he never really got arrested but hazel made some pretty damning accusations against yeah. him which she sure did we're all inclined to believe in 2021 so i mean it all it shows up in interesting ways but other things about jermaine that we have to remember he ha- this is a kid who grew up with a stutter we have a president who grew up with a stutter and now you're on the public stage um did you guys see brayden during the um inauguration the little boy it? who stutters. Oh, no. Oh, was he there? I didn't see him. Yes. Joseph said if he won, then Brayden would speak at an inauguration. And he did like a two-minute speech. And that's he so did not he did not stutter. That's uh, beautiful. That's that's yeah, that that's is, beautiful. That really is. Yeah. Like their relationship is so beautiful to me because Joe just said, like, you can you can beat this and you'll be fine. And the same thing at some point happened to Jermaine and he truly did overcome it. And not only is he a a solid public speaker and will go on a talk show in a minute to defend his family, but he also sings these lyrics that aren't necessarily easy to get out. A lot of them are challenging, especially in the Motown days where they're singing these tongue twisters and silly songs. So um Jermaine's come a long way as far as like building up his own confidence we also learned in the book he's one of the few Jackson children that got sick as a child and had to go to the hospital and he was in the hospital for a a good while and he talked about how that affected him and how he felt about being alone and how clingy he was to his family um or how he had such a difficult time being dropped off at school when he first started going to public school and how Catherine had to tell him Jermaine you have to stay you can't come with me um so he's there's some parts of his confidence or things about his self-esteem that we learned we also learned in Michael's book remember how Michael picked on him and Michael picked on Jermaine for going through puberty and having really bad acne to the point where in pretty much everybody's book but I don't think Jermaine addresses it you'll have to check me on that user 1.5 but Pretty much everybody's book has said Michael picked on everybody. And then when he got it back, he didn't know how to take it. But Michael picked picked on Jermaine's acne to the point where Catherine said, you better be thankful that you don't have it. And then he did. And we talked about in episode 15 how that literally fucked up his whole personality and changed how outgoing he was. So. But can we talk about this real quick? Michael said to Oprah, uh, I believe, or was it Oprah or maybe it was uh, Bashir, uh, when people say the abused abuse, that's not true, you know, because I, I didn't, but you, he actually did, you know, and this is an example of that. You felt uh, attacked by some of your father's comments about your looks, but then you attacked your brothers in the same vein and sisters so they all they all say like jermaine is very protective of michael in this book the entire book he's protective of michael he'll you know say oh well this happened but michael da 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 da." right there are you know ways to explain away everything but what i will say is that they all try to dismiss it or, or they all do dismiss it it's like oh they're siblings you know picking on each other everybody got picked on i mean today the kids would call it bullying right but back then and we all went through it i mean we all went through stuff where you go and your friends would be like oh you know why you why your shirt 
so raggedy. Why you? You know what I mean? Like we all have gone through that. To have it at home is is. I don't know if it's better or worse, but they all kind of dismiss it. I think what you guys are saying and what we said in the last episode too, it all boils down to this. We all need therapy, everybody, no matter who you are, what you went through. There's some things in your past that you need to work out as an adult so that you can live a better life. They didn't recognize that. And yeah, they and, and and my thing is really kind of uh, I don't I, so let me say this is a s- polite PSA for your mental health. If you feel that you don't need therapy, you probably do, and it doesn't mean that you had so many terrible things. It's things. It's just that you know you always need someone else to to bounce some ideas off of about just your past and your present. So boom, that's our PSA for for self care. But let me say this my point really was this Michael would always cry victim in some instances when in those instances where he was saying he was victimized he was also the uh perpetrator of the same sort of abuse to someone else he couldn't connect the dots in the way that seemed very evident to connect when we're just looking at it right like Michael talked about Jermaine's acne Jermaine and Tito and Jackie talked about Michael's big nose or Joe talked about Michael's big nose but Michael would magnify his the way he felt about something while not also acknowledging but you know what I I said some stuff too and I imagine that maybe hurt my brothers when I said it when I talked about Tito's weight and how he needed to go on a slim fast diet and I wrote a diet out and um or I talked about Janet and saying she's always you know he didn't recognize when he was he had these blind Michael had blind spots that we all have but (laughs) it it, I guess it becomes more jarring when you're so easily and readily able to identify how you were hurt but can't identify where in those same scenarios you maybe were hurting someone else yeah I think that is possibly all of their blind spots, at least the Jacksons who have written books, because that's kind of how it comes out. Like Jermaine has a clear blind spot in recognizing that as well, because he doesn't truly talk through, oh, okay, well, I see where I could have broken their heart. Because like, even in talking about the group splitting (laughs) and nobody wanted his autograph, Jermaine went through (laughs) a a depression and he he talks about his depression but also bro like michael said he went through a little depression too so and and it's hard and i'll say that as a sibling it's hard i remember one time my mom saying to me calling me and said hey what you said to her hurt and you need to call and apologize and i said okay but i had to stop and think about what i said before i could do it so we all have blind spots and sometimes you need somebody else to point that out. Like, hey. Well, and Jermaine- These editors don't. Jermaine didn't, okay. So Jermaine in his book, and I don't want to keep going to say Jermaine in his book, but Jermaine in his book uh, about the split, and we're going to get to that in just a few uh, minutes, but he talks about how he, to this day, feels like he didn't leave them. They left him. Right. So forget the fact that four were gone and you stayed one stayed. Right. He truly feels like they left him because he was he was always at Motown and Motown was home. They left home is how he says it in the book. He didn't understand what he did or what his decision, what impact his decision had on his brothers. That 
to me feels like somebody who is literally trapped underneath the throes of capitalism because Jermaine really took that family thing literally and he had to because he married Barry Gordy's daughter but also from the beginning Barry Gordy was pretty clear you know you and Hazel I don't want to stress y'all out you know you guys are young you deserve blah 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 and eventually when Motown when Jermaine left Motown that's exactly what Barry Gordy said you deserve to know what it's like to do business on your own um I think at that point he was so how old Jermaine when they leave probably like 21 ish when they 20, leave what when when they the J5 leaves Motown in 1975 21 21 Mm-hmm. this kid's 21 he's married I don't know if they had a kid at that point weren't far off from it that is a crushing thing to try to unpack and he didn't have the tools they did not have the tools to unpack that hey babe if you want to go with your brothers you can go that's fine that should not have any effect on your well-being on your family and also like you don't need to stay here and try to prove there's a couple of different things that I just don't, they were so young and under so much pressure to be perfect examples of what you do and don't do in this business to where they kind of set themselves up. And I think Jermaine, and it really frustrates, frustrates me that the people who are working alongside them working on these books aren't pushing them to kind of like okay Jermaine you went through this depression you didn't leave them okay what did you think about how it may have felt just like user one was just saying being able to have that perspective to to think about how I affected someone that I love he just didn't have it yeah but honestly a lot a lot of us don't have that I know that's what that's what we're saying it's it's 50 year old people don't have that you you don't have that unless you are able to 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 self-reflect and a lot of people aren't able to self-reflect until somebody brings it to their attention that they need to do so so that goes back to our PSA about getting help Uh, like getting uh, and help there's nothing wrong with that word getting help with you and how you deal with other people and recognizing where sometimes the way you deal with people and the way you handle them is destructive and hurtful. There's nothing wrong with that. So that goes back to even that, what we're saying, because all of us have those, those blind spots. I think he missed that. I think word to the bad is a great example of missing that in the moment. You can't make that song and not be a hundred percent thinking about yourself. You didn't stop one moment. Or the only time you thought about that person was to think how the hurt would hit. And still, again, that's about you because that's what you want, you know. Sagittarius, that's how they do. And that's what he said. Sometimes I'm hard to live with. I know I'm a Sagittarius. Sometimes I'm hard to live with. Amen, brother, you are. Because now, listen, we all know this. Uh, You can talk nasty about your family, but what you don't do is do something that gives license for other people to do that. And And making that song is exactly what he did. Yeah, and I think it, how does the saying go if you um if you offend me in public you need to apologize in public Uh uh-huh and And we didn't get that nah he didn't get michael never got that and if we are to believe what we've heard from other sources about how that situation went down michael was devastated I mean, and well, now hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Let's not jump ahead too much. We got we get into word to the bad. Let's get back to the timeline. Where are we? 
so we, we're still in, they still ain't left Motown yet. Um, so 19, um, 1969 was the big year. That was when the Jackson Five signed to Motown. Um, Jermaine was the co-lead with Michael on I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Say, Dance Machine, name the song, you know, we all know that catalog. Um, 1972 was when his first solo album dropped. Uh, and it was, I'm sorry, a solo single, and it's called Daddy's Home. Uh, it was a ship and the limelight's cover. It sold over a million copies by March of 73. That was his first big single. In 1973, also on December 15th, he married Hazel Gordy. Jermaine and Hazel were 19 years old when they got married. So kind of going back to what user one was saying, um, be, them being so young and really not knowing how to navigate things. So this was like the royal wedding of black entertainment. Everybody was there. I think I Coretta Scott, did user one, that. didn't you say Coretta, Coretta Scott was there and uh, Coretta Scott King, I'm sorry. And I mean, everybody. Everybody was there. Yeah, she was. Well, what I liked was I saw in one of the articles you you linked us to the girls that were fainting when he sung this song. I mean, you 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 talking about the girls fainting for Michael? They was fainting for Jermaine too when he hit the notes on this one. Um, and you can see why. I mean, he was beautiful. That fro was perfect. That voice. Well, it was it was his note. It was his uh, cadence. It was his tempo. It was his range. It worked. It, it it let his bravado come out good. It let his, you know what I mean? It, it like, this song was Jermaine. And it was all Jermaine. And you could see why the ladies, why he was the heartthrob of the group. Michael was the kid. The heartthrob of the Jackson 5 was Jermaine Jackson. And you can see why. He definitely had, he checked the boxes. Absolutely. You can definitely see why, too, why so many girls were devastated when he married Hazel. Um, because they, he, they were so young. God bless them. 18, 19. Thank you. Great, grand enough to get married. God bless you. Um, but they were. I, I can't, I mean, 18 and 19, my God, I couldn't even tie my own, ch- own shoes and, and walk it and, you know, chew gum. I, it was awful. I mean, uh, on that, t- that timeline, have they even graduated from high school yet? Like, they probably graduated the following spring. Well, <laughs> I know in the article, so um, user two, I think, is going to put this link in the show notes. But in the article that I linked, the Jet article, which let me say, let me give a shout out to Jet Magazine. Um, I know it's not in circ- or print anymore, but they were, they shined a light on everything that the Jacksons did. And the stories were just so glowing about the Jacksons in Jet Magazine. And they said that Hazel was uh, a student at a design studio in LA. So I'm assuming she had already graduated from high school and she was going to school for interior design. Hazel had her own so they, thing going on. Maybe she decorated their house. Oh, she definitely sure decorated she that house. She used her skills to decorate Interior that design, that's such a rich person. Um, she was a oh, rich yeah. girl. Pursuit. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, when Whitley Gilbert decided to be an art buyer. It's like, you know you rich. This is what you do. <laughs> like, who even knew what an art buyer was in right, college? Right, like, who even knew they hired right. people to do that? In like, college to major? Like, what? 
I didn't That's even... a rich person job. God, Lord. But she, I mean. While the rest of us out here scratching and surviving. <laughs> While we working at Burger King and, and McDonald's. <laughs> Getting too many degrees that you can't afford. They out here are buying. And, the pressure on these two had to be insane because the Jet articles are constant. Mm-hmm. Maybe they got the cover or they something about Jermaine and Hazel inside. It's at the Beverly Hills Hotel. There's doves. Everybody, everybody's in white, including Jermaine. These That's are beautiful. actual That's- teenagers, though. The Jacksons literally did everything step by step as you would want them to in a handbook. You want a heartthrob to marry a mogul daughter. Like it just made sense and it made like the actual royalty situation appear out of thin air and Motown just has those overlays constantly where people are marrying each other and doing business and maybe not marrying each other and it just gets really messy and tangled up and I think they were too young to understand how complicated that would be for them and their family is this one of the first uh, big Black American weddings, royal, royal Black um, American royalty sort of wedding scenarios? It's got to be because yeah. Martin and Coretta came to us as a package. Malcolm yeah. and Sister Betty came as a package. Right, and they didn't come with no money. So we're talking about Black celebrity money. You know, mm-hmm. Barry Gordy at this point is the richest Black man in America. So let's just like take a deep breath on that. $800. We just celebrated the 62nd anniversary of Motown's uh, creation. 800 bucks. He started that empire. And by the time his daughter was married, it was worth millions, millions and millions, multiple millions, dozens of millions of dollars. And so he if really- not rep- hundreds. Right. He represents something in Black American history that is just- uh mind-blowing and so i think that his daughter his marriage his his daughter's marriage to jermaine jackson may may really have represented one of the first big black americana black celebrity like royalty weddings and that's huge it's just too much on brand narrative nonsense like i get it and that's his real life and you can't you know that's how it went down and jermaine and hazel have offspring who are living and thriving and that's cool but also like it there's too much pressure on those kids for that shit somebody should have said give it a minute but you know maybe not it's fine joe Joe didn't joe wasn't for it well that's the other thing that we're not even weighing out these kids use marriage to get out of joseph's house to leave and jermaine's already says that yeah and Jermaine's already done a, a bid at Barry Gordy's house. Both of them, both Michael and Jermaine talk about how they move between those houses when they move from Gary out to Los Angeles. And, you know, they spend time at Miss Ross's house. They spend some time at Mr. Gordy's house until they got their own house. And it went like that. So um, that's like another awkward layer. Like, is Jermaine really sleeping in the same house with this girl he ends up marrying as like hot-blooded teenagers? Like, what is going on, Barry Gordy? And did you like, f- I don't know. It's just- Barry uh, had, Barry had, Barry, Barry had his arm on the door. He, he said, you, you better not. And this I mean, is why Joseph 
had to do the blood is thicker than water thing because Barry had his hand all in his kids' pockets in their lives. He's fucking family now. Like, God damn. Well, but also, <laughs> Barry Gordy became, and Michael admits, more of a father figure. That, that softer side of fatherhood where you need to actually emotionally connect. And we talked about this on our last episode. Michael talks about in his book, how much it seemed like if you want about business, he didn't know how to talk to us. Like, how was your day? What's your favorite color? Those were not questions that came up in their father's mind to ask his children. But uh, did you practice them steps? And if you don't get it right, you know, I'm going to have you frying fish tomorrow. Those were ideas he could connect with and, and communicate to his children, but he couldn't go to the more human side. But Barry Gordy, we saw this in the movie, in the miniseries, The Jackson's American Dream. We see it a lot in Michael's uh, talks about Barry. Um, Barry Gordy was able to connect that piece they were missing from their father. Ooh, and I that's think deep. That's deep, friend. And I think Joe's knew that and he was jealous of it, but he didn't know how to fix that. It's like, well, if you don't like it, maybe ask your children if they would like a Happy Meal. <laughs> Not a Happy Meal. Uh, they can't even get no <laughs> damn Happy Meal 19. <laughs> can you ask them, do they want to go get an ice cream cone? Like them he donut days is over. Oh, that's you, over. you saying that's the donuts over. is over? Well, oh, the damn. donuts is over. That was damn. back in Gary. Now we in Detroit and we have in different places people saying Joe was so crazy we had to kick him out of the studio so the boys could do it because he was that insane. I want to well, know what very, he was doing for them to kick him out. He took that belt Everything. off and held it in his hand. I Everything. promise you he did. How much you want to bet he took the belt off and held it in his hand? <laughs> you <laughs> held really it up in so? the window. <laughs> <laughs> It's not mm. funny, but it's like you said. Like, <laughs> no, oh, seriously, do you really think that's what he did? Yeah, I would have. Well, I would have. Because remember, he they people were saying Joe was going. It costs money every time you got to do another take. Costs more money. Studio time costs money. So but I, that's the big I, like. Barry was non-threatening. Barry would say to the even Jermaine says in his book. Michael says the same thing. Barry would say, "Well, think about it. It's your decision, but think about it." Right? He would give them the option to make their own decisions. Joseph was like, nah, this is what we're doing. You ain't doing that. You signing this contract. Everybody else is signed. You gonna sign this contract too. And we're leaving Motown. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, he didn't give them a choice. He didn't let them and make once, their own And what's like a hallmark of abuse? Control. Well, that's what Janet said. She want to be the one in control. So it's Ooh. like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Someone who just has a need, they have to be in control. That is a very abusive sort of, you know, expression of self. We if are you don't have the control, you know, if you don't have control, it's a problem. And you can see that working itself out. Jermaine marrying Hazel is losing a lot of control. Yeah. And you are pissed about that thing because you know you can't undo it. But can you imagine the conversations behind the scene before Jermaine asked, after he asked, and before that wedding? Can you imagine the things that may have been said? I know he was well, shook. Well, Jermaine said he didn't. Yeah. He proposed. To, he said he proposed to Hazel. They were on tour. He called his mama to tell his mama over the phone and then to tell Joseph. He was scared to tell. He don't tell Joseph to his face that he had asked uh, Hazel to marry him. He called and he said that Katie being Katie was sweet and excited about it. She said, hold on, let me go get Joseph. And then she came back to the phone and said, oh, Joseph can't, uh, he's busy right now. Joseph didn't even want to talk to him. 
He wouldn't and even come to the phone. He wouldn't come to the phone. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Um, and so, you know, he knew what the, he knew what the end was going to be, you know? And I think Joseph reasserting control was moving them from Motown to CBS and having all the boys, the boys, having all of the other brothers sign the and Jermaine and him handing Jermaine the contract and saying, everybody else sign, now you sign. That was him getting control back. Unfortunately for Joseph and for the Jackson Five as a whole, it didn't work. Yeah, how, many, how many brothers were secretly rooting for Jermaine in that moment? I think all of them were. I think they all were. It was like sticking it to the man. Except for Michael. I think Michael might have thought it was actual betrayal. He was too young to see what the other brothers could see in Jermaine refusing. Yeah, he was yeah. a baby. So he was basically like, wow, you really going to move out the crib, bro? Fine. Right, and again, um, that's his favorite brother. So yeah, yeah like you can and, get that. With the and that, and that would have happened, you know, if Jermaine would have went to college. It would have been the same thing. Um, that is a normal dynamic that pops up where, you know, your younger sibling really hates your guts when you become an adult and actually leave. And that's okay. But I hate how the dynamics here, they didn't, as, as kids, they just didn't have the tools to understand how complicated this would actually be. Um, but also I kind of look at Jermaine staying at Motown as like choosing to go to a HBCU. He felt so safe. And there's something to be said about how safe he felt and staying at Motown that he was willing to do it uh, solo. Wow, Barry Gordy, <laughs> you really you really bet the farm uh, on Jermaine, feel, didn't you? Did he feel safe or did he... F- so I always think about like the power move of marrying Hazel, which you cannot divorce the... Yeah, I love her. Oh, You can't divorce that idea from also the idea of this is the CEO's daughter. And Job now, security. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if he thought, y'all can go. I have, my career is fast-tracked now. He got the ace in the hole. Yeah, I think he was- Very good his daughter. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he was following the Marvin Gaye blueprint a little too closely at that point. Everyone has noted, I, I think even Marvin Gaye called out how he knew Jermaine was supposed to be fitted into his mold long term that that's what Barry Gordy wanted because Marvin Gaye had too much autonomy, but the, one of the at least emotional triggers that Barry had with Marvin was that he married, uh, Marvin married Barry's sister and uh, Anna Gordy was Barry's big sister, I believe. And she didn't take no shit. So she was very controlling in that relationship, but Marvin Gaye talked about in his book and his ex-wife talked about in her subsequent book how much Barry Gordy hung over Marvin's life even after he went through his divorce with Anna it was almost like Barry Gordy was chasing him constantly and he was always trying to measure up to 
what Barry wanted, but Barry wanted too much control over Marvin. Marvin wanted to do what's going on. Barry Gordy didn't. It took Marvin a really long time to get a hit. He didn't get four number ones in a row like the Jackson Five because he didn't want to be controlled and, and he didn't want Barry Gordy to be as hands-on as he was. And Jermaine was a second opportunity to try that out. Try that lover boy image out. Try that crooning singer image out. Let's give it to Jermaine. Jermaine has already been in the Jackson 5 unit where we have vocal coached and uh, uh, coached them through the emotions of the song and done 100 takes of it until it's perfect. It's gone platinum. I can bet the farm on him. And, and think about Marvin's success was kind of like an accident because he kind of let him release what's going on as a, uh, okay, fine type situation. Yeah. Jermaine was never going to go that far out on a limb. He wasn't that rebellious and he wasn't on drugs. So well, let me ask y'all this. Okay. Because you're bringing up some really good points. And so let me dig into this because we're all just, you know, thinking about the reasonings and obviously Jermaine has not given us his autobiography. Let's get serious yet. Although we know it's forthcoming once he hears this episode. Um, let me ask y'all this. Jermaine made a it's is the argument there to be made that Jermaine made a very very personal decision while his brothers made a business decision because at this time and they did it nicely because they had respect for Barry Gordy and what he had done for them but the idea was that Motown was not allowing them to grow and have control and have financial control and creative control in the way that they felt was fair and so they needed to go elsewhere to get that and Jermaine whatever his reasons for staying were, were more rooted in a personal choice because he is now intertwined. He's an in the family than his brothers and jo Joe, who's thinking, Hey, we can't get what we need right now. And the Jackson five weren't the only group making that decision at Motown to bounce. What do y'all think about that? Was Jermaine's decision to stay personal or business? At that point, his personal is the business. So it was personal. Yeah. It's a little bit of both, I think. I think it is a little bit of both. I think he strategically, if I'm Jermaine, I'm thinking, okay, shit, that means I got the Jackson 5 budget. Let's rock and roll. So then do you think he was honest about that fact? That, hey, it's personal for me and business for me. Or do you think he, he, he rejected the idea of accepting that there is a personal piece to this decision because he didn't want to seem nepotistic or that, that part. He, that okay. Part. And that he, it. he didn't know That's what nepotism it. was. But he knew that he was married to the boss's daughter and he knew that he hated that Joseph came came at him because he said he was on his way to his brother-in-law's what graduation party or something. And Joe was like, you need to come to the house right now and sign these contracts right now. And Joe didn't, I mean, you know, Joe, maybe Joseph should have laid it out a little better. Maybe it's he would have stayed with the Jackson five, but he basically was like, come to the house, sign these contracts, we're leaving Motown. And, and Jermaine was like, what? You know, like sign contracts. Y'all already made a deal and you didn't tell me about it. So I think a little bit of it was like sticking it to Joe, but a little bit of it too was like, I don't want to jump abandon ship when Motown is losing all of their good artists and I can stay and potentially help, you know, pick up the slack for my father-in-law and, you know, nudge, nudge, get a couple of singles on my own, you know? So I think it was a little bit of everything. 
I think it was too, friends. Like, honestly, how is it not? First of all, Jermaine's right in that circumstance. How are you going to tell everybody else before you tell me, like, we ain't in the same group? Mm -hmm. You're being manipulative. Mm -hmm. So Joseph was wrong for that. And and that story's been pretty consistent. And this is one of those instances where it's not to demonize Joseph because I know he's resting peacefully as he should be, but it's just, it's, it's calling out what's pretty clear here is that you, he was very manipulative with his children. And if you gave four members of the Jackson five a contract to read, you should have gave it to all five at the same time and let them talk. Now I want to call out a plot twist. We know from moonwalk that at this point, Michael is a big part of the decision making uh is is doing a big chunk of the decision making alongside joseph so um he's making a lot of creative decisions and he's really influential in this jump to cbs and he goes to the meeting that they have with cbs when they get the offer how do you factor that into this as well because yes nobody told jermaine but are the brothers being strategic and not telling Jermaine because they didn't want Jermaine to go rat out and tell it, tell, tell Motown. Like that, that dynamic just popped up to me, but I feel like that's an option. Like I wouldn't have told him either. Cause he's going to go tell Barry and that's going to fuck up the bag. So are we, so are we, so I think Michael, and he might've been on his sneak tip at this point, right? Like we all do this, we can strong arm him into that. Or it could have been, if we all do this, he'll see that, you know, it's good sense because we're all on board and he, he, he should probably get on board too. But I love, or I love slash cringe at the idea of daddy versus uh, daddy-in-law and daddy-in-law won. With Jermaine, yeah. And I think it goes back to Jermaine feeling safe at Motown at the end of the day. And and so he didn't. So what does that say? He didn't feel safe with his father. Correct. Is that what that says? And so, and you know, that what a what a question that we had. You know, you just imagine I think in us doing this episode and digging into Jermaine's life and uh, the folks who are listening to us will know that we do deviate from Michael because there are appendages to Michael that are important to the story of Michael and that being his family and those their individual careers and successes. And Jermaine is much more complex than I think some of us have even given credit for how difficult that had to be. You have a wife who you need to show loyalty to um, and re- regardless of what y'all are saying to Jet or Ebony or whoever, there is there are some things here happening that you have to try to balance out. Then you have brothers who you remember sleeping three to a bed with, and you remember hitting the strip clubs with to perform, and you remember consoling your little brother Michael when he wanted to go to sleep, but he needed to perform. You know what I mean? You got these all these different things swirling around, and you got to make a choice. And then you have Joseph, who you love and have respected by fear, force, and compliance, you know, and you have Barry Gordy, who represents a different sort of father figure, and you're trying to piece all this together. What's the best choice? That's hard. Yeah, and at the very least, he needed an attorney's point of view. <laughs> right. And that's where the Black Jackson estate comes in. We would have given you user one, Jermaine. Jeez. I mean, listen, not giving you completely, but you would have had the benefit. You would have had access know? to user one. 
and her brain. I mean, listen, and my brain, which is going many different directions at one time and then just wants to watch Pepper Ann. First of all, are you not going to put Pepper Ann on pause if Jermaine (laughs) hits your inbox right now? Because if I check the inbox and see Jermaine Jackson, first of all, I'm going to say, great, can't wait. P.S. Why didn't you come to Morganton back in 2000? (laughs) We missed you in Morganton, yeah, we need we definitely needed him and I believe he was sick and I so I I'm, I'm he glad he's okay. well now. He was sick. And we know well, he wasn't sick. But I mean I these all these different cons- I say that to say that there are multiple considerations that he had to make both analytically, emotionally as a man and also as a, a brother and a son and as a fa- as a husband now, right? And geez, man, he made the choice that to him seemed best and I can respect that. Well, I can see, you know, you get married in 1973 and you're 19 and you you don't even consider the fact that this is a business deal and we might want to leave Motown at some point. And within two years, that's exactly the conversation that you're having. Are you staying or going? That's, I can't imagine that decision at 21. I would have folded. Yeah been in the corner crying talking about I don't know y'all just tell me what to do but that's, yeah. these are <laughs> these are adult problems and he's in a really adult situation at this point he's somebody's husband and he has to make adult decisions um and he made the best decision for him at the time um uh, as we all know he eventually ended up leaving Motown himself but you know in 1975 he decided to stay Um, And from him deciding to stay, we get the 1980 Let's Get Serious album release. (laughs) Can we insert Let's Get Serious right here? Absolutely. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Because it deserves deserves that. Let's just go ahead and give it. The first of many. The Let's Get Serious album was released March 17th, 1980, and it reached number six on the Billboard album chart, and it was, it logged five weeks at number one on top R&B chart. Now, what I have to say is, I have to make it very clear, at this point, Billboard has a Hot 100 chart, like a pop album chart, and it also has an R&B chart for its R&B albums. So a lot of times you're going to hear us, or from going forward in this podcast, you're going to hear us reference the the Billboard chart, but you're also going to hear us reference the R&B chart, which are two different charts. Um, So 900,000 copies sold in the U.S. And one of its producers was Jermaine Jackson himself, but also the great, great boy wonder Stevie. And Stevie wrote three songs, including the title track, Let's Get Serious. He wrote Where Are You Now? And You're Supposed to Keep Your Love for Me. Um, <laughs> how do we fit? Let's get serious. First of all, let me, let me just say this. Let's Get Serious is one of Jermaine's Hold on. most known singles, right? I think everybody knows that song. That hold, is a great Hold on, user 1.5. I, I need... I need to, to pause real quick. Okay. I need some water because if we're going to start talking about Let's Get Serious right now, <laughs> my throat has to be lubricated. We're we need, not- some, we need some water. 
I can't come. I can't come at this sideways. Can can we just take a five minute break so I can fill up my Do water it. bottle? Five Do minute it. break. Let's go. Look, I'll Do I'll be back it. by ten o'clock. Anyway, it's nine fifty four. Let's come back by ten. Okay. Fair. All right. I'm gonna get a snack. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Black Jackson Estate. This is episode 16. Let's get serious with Jermaine. We're going to come back with a part two. So in the meantime, we need for you to follow us on social media. BLK Jack Estate on Twitter. You can find user 1.5 at Raina Latoya and me, user 2 at Ashley K. Blue. That's Ashley with an I know cap. And hey, hit us up on PayPal. We're selling user we're selling user five now. So, you know, go ahead, put in your sponsorship, paypal.me forward slash blackjack estate. We're streaming on all platforms, y'all. We need you to let us know where did you find us? Leave a comment, leave a rating. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Listen Notes, we're on Podplay, we're on Pod Topping. It's lit. Last but not least, our new user, user four, Pamela Price. This episode is for you. Thank you for being a Black Jackson Estate sponsor. Who's going to be user five? Who's going to be user five? I'm excited for you guys to join us. In the meantime, wash your hands, put on a mask. We'll see you in episode 16.5. You know what it is. It's time to let's get serious.